The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. Friday, December 20th, 2019, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hameen Media. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com, now unleashed at NDPW.com. On this week's show, we're talking about John Cena, the Wednesday Night Wars, New Japan, and the longest Monday Night Raw ever. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM podcast network online, hitting the marks. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the voice, the ring announcer, the future coach of the Cleveland Browns. He's the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that part of the P to the V. Rick Vickery back again. Hitting the Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast. Jargo, we're sitting down here to record on this Friday evening. uh, Just, what, a mere hour away from, a half hour away from the the grandest spectacle in all of professional wrestling, Friday Night Smackdown. Now, I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here, I've been locked in the last couple hours to, it's the the history of the cyberverse, which I I think it's very fitting, you know, we sit here, we kind of talk about, you know, the WWE universe, the the pretend universe of, of pro wrestling. We live in this kind of fantasy world. Uh, this particular episode that I'm on here right now, I, I gotta throw this out here. I gotta get, get your thoughts. See if you're involved with this. The uh, the scandalous and seedy cyberverse. Were, were you part like uh, like online dating back in the day? The cyber sex scene, pick trading. Uh, you, you remember when it used to take like four hours to watch a 15 second porno? No. No, I was not a part of any of that. Uh, I'm still not a part of any of that, I'm proud to say. In fact, I'm actually considering very, very heavily for 2020 cutting down on my internet imprint and uh, just being done with social media altogether. Take a page out of Strangler Steve's book. Yeah, I noticed, you know, Strangler stepping away from everything. And I've seen MSG try that as well. Um, but- I, you know, I guess to me, it just seems absurd because, you know, I use it every day you know, outside right. of just what we're doing here for podcasting or interacting over on Facebook and Humming Media Discussion Group or across all these you know great platforms that we're involved with now. Slash word on pro wrestling, the gorilla position dot com, NDPW dot com. It's what I do for marketing. And it's kind of swayed me in that direction as a consultant that I rely heavily on, you know, the digital marketing needs and effectively utilizing those tools for my clients. So, I mean, to me. To eliminate it would be like eliminating my livelihood. Right. But, you know, going back, you know, I'll admit back in the day, you know, I used to, yeah, I thought I was a little too smart for my own good and all that. I, I thought I was a hardcore hacker and would write these shitty little AOL programs. The most successful thing we ever did was able to create fake accounts for like a month before <laughs> we got busted. Uh, we, we had some run-ins with the Hamilton County uh, Computer Task Force a couple times, which was kind of scary and all that. But, you know, who I think was probably heavily involved in like cyber sexing and 
you know, pick trading and all that. And I, I got to believe big that Ray. was big, big Ray, big Ray. <laughs> it's awful that you didn't even have to say it. I just knew who you were talking about. You it, know what? It's, this is kind of funny to throw this out there. We were watching a movie, me and my little, uh, I'll call him my, my, my hacker gang. Before I joined the, the Hameen, the hacker Hameen army, I had my little wannabe hackers that we were running around terrorizing the, the mean streets of Harrison, Ohio and all that. But we had figured out that the phone line running from the pole to the house, when you go to the, where it connects into the actual, you know, the building establishment, it's right. the same as the outlet inside the house. Okay. And they're all wired under the, you know, they're wired from the bottom, but you get the live feed, whatever from the, you know, that interacting from that other wire there. Right. So you could go up to the side of the house, you could pop that box open, unplug that prong and plug in your own phone and you would get a dial tone for that house. Hmm. So we would go out late at night and, you know, hide in the bushes calling 1-900 numbers. Oh my God. And, and the house that we were at would get charged those rates. That's awful. Uh, this, this lasted for about six months. They figured out, they didn't ever figure it out. It was us. And I, and I think, you know, I'm, you know, there's a statute of limitations or is well beyond me there. Hashtag statute of limitations. <laughs> yes. Uh, but they changed all the boxes where you couldn't just open them up with a screwdriver anymore. It t- they turned them all into a special key in the little area that we were living in. So, you know, that kind of rained on our parade there. But. I don't know, man. Uh, I guess my thing is between, uh, the Mark Tards. Uh, which, boy, they've been out in full force the last week or so. And this impeachment bullshit, I just I can't stand being on social media at this point. It's like, you know, on behalf of those of us with a brain, we would appreciate it if both the left and the right would just shut the fuck up. You know, before we went on the air here, yeah, you, you were talking about, hey, I, I sound, it sounded like I was feeling pretty good when we talked yesterday. I, I had to get that escape. When I woke up yesterday, I was so aggravated, and it, I just turned into a loose cannon. When I actually left the house, and, and I did put down social media and the cyberverse and all of that for a little bit, and I did step out to the real world, I took all that with me. I was going off about absolutely everything. Everything was infuriating me. It was uh, obviously starting off with this impeachment stuff and everybody weighing in and what's going on back and forth with it. Uh, I was still carried over from our conversation today about eliminating the NFL draft. And I'm running against all these Bengal fans that are just repeatedly, Oh, we got to get Burrow. We got to get Burrow. Like what did he do to you? Why, why do you personally hate him that you would want him to be a Cincinnati Bengal? I mean, did he have, he have sex with your sister and your mom and your grandma all at one time? And did he, did he hack your credit card? I mean, what did he personally do to you that you hate him so much that you want him to be a Cincinnati Bengal? It was even right down to uh, pre-swiping my credit card for the tab, and then it holds $18, so it double-charged me, which they're just using to hold interest so they can steal right. more money from the public. Yep. To, to kids, five and like a six- and seven-year-old little girls walking around the west side by themselves in the afternoon. Where the hell are these? Everything was setting me off yesterday. I, I couldn't take it, so I had to kick a couple back. And then just go away for a while. Well, you know what the solution is, Huckleberry? This Monday, inside of the locker room, we have the solution. It's going to be a Wrestle Festivus for the rest of us. That's right. We're going to have a full-on airing of grievances. We've figured out the test of strength. We know how we're going to do that now. It should be a fun show this Monday inside the locker room, hackerhameen.podbean.com. We're even getting the poll. We're even getting the poll involved. You betcha. 
Especially, well, you know, getting the poll involved when it comes to pro wrestling is actually incredibly easy, thanks to Vince Russo. Shout out to him. Uh, speaking of Vince Russo. I thought you were going to say Rob Van Dam. Looks uh, like he's getting, getting quite a bit of use out of that poll. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to talk about Rob Van Dam a little bit later on in the show, even though we're not talking about Impact Wrestling. Um, I don't know, man. The, the, the internet wrestling community, there's something about them here just for like the last week to two weeks in particular i'm just like oh my god will you just shut up and it's almost like the republicans and the democrats it's like you have the nxt fans and the aew fans and no matter what one does the other one thinks that it's absolute bullshit it's just it's infuriating to me i i don't understand i don't understand i love the analogy there i really hadn't put that kind of it's right it's like one can do no wrong the other can do no right and when you're looking across those battle lines it's the other way and, and people are getting lost to see that we're still in all this together. You see what I was going to blame this on. I mean, we're talking about, you know, people just really, really showing their Mark Tart true colors here. Uh, I really believe it has to be that crossover, that crossover population from Star Wars and wrestling fans. And this damn new movie has got all of that, that segment of the wrestling audience all round up in arms. Yeah, but when you look at Star Wars, there's clearly a right side and there's clearly a wrong side, and the right side is clearly the dark. Huckleberry, let's uh, let's go ahead, let's jump into the the world of professional wrestling, um, and we have to talk about. Yeah, does anybody miss John Cena? John Cena, this story broke yesterday. Huckleberry, John Cena eyeing a substantial role at WrestleMania. This coming to us from our our not-so-close friends over at WrestleVotes.com. I I guess number one, Rick, does anybody miss John Cena? Well, I'll tell you what. I saw an amazing stack the other day, and it just kind of just, it came without even noticing. And when he threw this on here, do we miss him? You know, at first I'd have to say no, because I sat there and be like, you know, holy, holy shit, he really didn't, he didn't make an appearance or not just that. He didn't wrestle a match at a, a marquee, a pay-per-view in 2019. Yeah, he now, did appear was, at WrestleMania, but he did yes. not have a match. Yeah. And that's what this point out there. He didn't actually have a match first time, you know, since he started, you know, that run with, you know, making those appearances there. Uh, I thought that was astonishing. And it was something that I didn't even realize was unfolding. Yeah. Does does anybody care? Does anybody miss John Cena? I mean, I miss John Cena. I think so. And, I, and as we're going to get into this conversation, I'm going to use this towards this. I really think it was something when we look, we look at these numbers, we look at attendance. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that miss John Cena Yeah, uh, in a major way. If they would like to admit that or not, and even more remarkable, even without any of those, you know, those matches at marquee events, pay-per-views, if whatever you want to call them there, uh, without, you know, regular program, regular appearances, he's still amongst the top merchandise sellers. Yeah. He's, he's arguably the most over guy in the company. And he's not even in the company. Well, I mean, well, look at this. I mean, who are the over people here? Uh, Brock is maybe the most active over. Yep. Uh, then you've got Undertaker, who's pretty much now just reserved for blood money. Yep. Uh, Rock, who is is probably made more appearances than Cena this past year, or had some co- or or outspoken involvement or impact because of the huge tie-in with SmackDown, how much how yeah. they relied on him there, mm-hmm. and then Cena. Yeah. And, it's, and not to get, you know, to get ourselves swayed away into that same old conversation about the need for them to create stars. And it's something that they refuse to do. It's the cookie cutter model. Uh, we can just rinse and repeat. We, no one's really all that important. But it, it, it really speaks volumes you know, to someone like Cena about how important he is for 
for this company to get back in track. And you got to believe, even if they are stretching this story a little bit to try to get some, you know, clicks themselves, if you're WWE and you're in your offices here and now we're seeing these numbers and I mean, we're used to lows right now, but we are talking record lows, record lows right now for a time that everyone should be overly excited. You got NXT on fire. I mean, you've got these great TV contracts. You have incredible talent all around, but still you're not able to gravitate and pull a viewer, maintain an audience. And now you're going into 2020. You're looking at the road to WrestleMania. Royal Rumble is looming. You got to turn to John Cena to be, you know, that, that, that knight in shining armor. Week in and week out. All right. I'm talking guys that are there if 52 weeks a year. I'm saying that they're on the show at least 42 of those weeks. Okay. So, so they're full-time guys. Who's the most over guy in the company right now? It's Randy Orton, isn't it? Obviously, you know, this, this infuriates people when we bring this up, but you know, we've seen it ourselves time and time again go to live events anywhere around this country we've talked to people we've challenged them go to a live event and we'll be damned if you can if you can dispute our claims listen to that reaction for him listen to the reaction still when he's coming out for these audiences on television it's the pops of the night now let's even when he was a heel he was getting that yeah. pop the, it's yes. the legacy pop is what i call it he exudes stardom he looks like a superstar he came from that era where people were allowed to shine. So that carries over. No, he isn't the cookie cutter. He's, and that's why I always stood up there. He's Randy being Randy. Cause he doesn't fall into line with everyone else. And, and it's that awe that I always talk about. We need to be in awe of our superstars, not thinking we can be them or we can compare to them. You want to live through them. Like there's yes, but Randy, we are in awe of Randy. He looks like a freaking superstar. That's why let's flip the coin here. A guy that is there every week who I'll give him his credit. I'll, Give the dude where it is, bust his ass. He is the workhorse. He gets a lot of he gets a lot of crap work. It's a lot of heat. He's put himself in some bad situations. But Seth Rollins, and it's been too much of Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. You know, now when he's out there, I gotta t- you know this should be something that we're interested in right now this turn. But it feels like they have mistimed it in his delivery, and it's like okay, I, I'm I'm at the point where I've had enough of you, dude. So no matter what you do, no matter how hot it's gonna be, I'm sick of it. I listen to a lot of different podcasts, not just the ones at Hameen Media, not just the ones on the HTM Podcast Network. And it's it's interesting because over the course of this week, as I'm listening to emails come in from fans, as I'm listening to callers to like Wade Keller's show, everybody's fully on board with this Seth Rollins thing. It was like the best way to get somebody over as a babyface in 2019 is to turn them heel. It's it's the craziest damn phenomenon that I think I've ever seen. The reason that I bring up Randy Orton is when I look at John Cena eyeing a substantial role at WrestleMania. Rick, what are the potential matchups for John Cena at WrestleMania? And towards the top of the list... I have Randy Orton. Not that anybody needs to see another Randy Orton versus John Cena match, but if John Cena's coming back for one match, doesn't it make sense to put him in the ring with somebody that he shared the ring with probably more than anybody and gets the biggest pop on the freaking show? Like, you can't just put John Cena in the ring with Shorty G. I mean, you got to put him in there with another star. And and, uh, that's... And I would go with you on this thing, but to me, that's down the line. I want to make this as where it's definitely both of their careers are winding down one last ride, one last chapter between these two because of the legendary history. 
I mean, these guys have defined an era. I mean, they have battled back and forth the yin and yang to one another. Well, really, it, two eras at this point, as long yeah, as they've been around. Uh, you know, you, you can make that. There couldn't be a John Cena without a Randy Orton. Yeah. You know, well, as in the sense of, you know, there wouldn't be a Batman if not for the Joker. There wouldn't be a Joker if not for the Batman. These two have needed each other to exist and find the success that they've had. I wouldn't use them in this situation. I wouldn't go to Randy right here. And I've, I've got somebody I want to throw out here to you. And, and I think face. This, no, absolutely, in no way in hell uh, should he be anywhere near John Cena here. I'm going to go real star power. And I thought I thought about this for quite a while. And you're, you're talking about the substantial role here. I see you've got Royal Rumble on a bullet point. So, you know, this is going to begin the ride. And I thought about how do we get John involved at the Rumble, help sell this thing. John Cena is going to be here. And you're talking about a substantial role at WrestleMania. I'm going to advertise it as that. At the Royal Rumble, John Cena has a substantial announcement. It is going to change the course of the WWE universe. You have got to subscribe to the WWE Network. You need to be here to hear what John Cena has to say. People, I believe people will do that. I think uh, so, they'll, too. They'll sign up for that free trial. People that have, have kind of lost and forgotten this thing will come back for John for this announcement. I think it is a great selling point. I thought about putting him into the Rumble because he is that you know that loyalty hustle respect but he's already kind of done that we've seen him say all right i'm going to the rumble so i can carve my path to wrestlemania we told that story where we had ended up with him and the undertaker in that makeshift match so we don't need to revisit that so i have him no sell he comes out and he's talking about you know i said i'd never leave and i really meant that but it was time to step away i, I see a tremendous put the locker room i see i see tremendous talent and I, I wanted to give them a year to shine. And they did tremendous. Put it over like they have done amazing. You know, they're wiling around the globe, blah, blah, blah. He said, you know what? I thought about coming back for this one. Boy, I thought about it. But there's only 30 spots. And I look up and down this roster. I mean, there's 100 plus that deserve these 30 spots. I don't want to take one of those. But I was convinced by management. You know, everything I've given, they, they say I've earned this. And then put over the C Nation. I told them we earned this. They have promised me something at WrestleMania, and I want it to be the biggest and best thing I've ever done for you people. At that point, cue punk's music. I'd be down for that. I still, I honestly believe that the best match of John Cena's career was that match with Punk in 2011 in Chicago at Money in the Bank. Well, and then you start, and you know, people immediately are going to get chills. Uh, going back and remembering the nostalgia of, you know, the mic drop. I do find it interesting. I'm currently surfing IMDb. Okay. Well, and I'm, on, I'm looking at everything that John Cena has done. He has 92 acting credits to his name already, which is just freaking insane to me. But as I'm looking at this, Rick, I do find it interesting. There is nothing for 2020. Well, and what I wanted to do here as well, you know, tie this in with Punk. You know, people are going to be thrilled to see these two together. Punk possibly making a return. Cena, everything that's been on the line here. And you could and have Punk come out here, and obviously he's going to get his cheers. You're going to have a split audience play to this. This this really was driven from a conversation you and I had a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about a couple of the names who ultimately define a generation of indie wrestlers. And Punk was one of those names we discussed. So I come out here and say, you know what, John, the last time you and I did this, it, it almost feels like it's the same because the record hasn't changed. You're out here. You're singing the same song, the same lyrics. And I'll tell you what, I'm sick of it. 
you know, you're talking about you've been gone for a year. You missed the universe and bring up what you were talking about. Did we miss you? Did anyone miss you? Because I didn't hear anyone chanting John Cena during main event matches, but they've been damn sure chanting CM Punk for the last four years. And you might, yeah. you might want to talk about that I cooked my ball and I just went home when you went to Hollywood, you were still representing the WWE. Be like, no, it was people like you, John, that made me take my ball and go home. That made me so sick of this that you took the love and passion I had for professional wrestling and you squashed that. I know people want to say that it was Triple H, but when I really think about it, John, I can take care of Triple H anytime I want. He married into this. You represent the head of the snake, Vince McMahon. You represent everything that's trickled down and was wrong with this, what stole professional wrestling for me. And then Hamp Cena just you know, punk going at him like this. You talk about a WrestleMania moment, John. How about I make it your last WrestleMania moment? Um, I spoke too soon. I found another screen that I needed to click on. Uh, he actually has three movies that are currently set for release in 2020. Doolittle, Project Extraction, and of course, Fast and the Furious 9, which is going to be the big one of the year. Uh, he does have three films in the works currently for 2021, including The Suicide Squad. And then he has three other movies that are currently in development, one of them being Duke Nukem. So I'm not exactly sure if we would have seen a full time. That Fast and the Furious obviously is going to require a ton of media. Well, I, I don't need him full time here. We don't need him in punk every week. You just sell it off of that. You know, and then you have that at the Rumble. You don't have them, you don't have them commit to a match one on one. They can both say they want it. And then you got 24 hours. You got the press machine rolling like crazy. I want punk. I want I want Cena on FS1 sports shows throughout that entire day, going back and forth. You hit the press machine. You go PR crazy, saying we are going to settle this. We're going to find out if these two are going to are going to meet at WrestleMania. It's going to happen Monday night on Raw. Tune in because Vince McMahon is going to show up and he's going to determine. He's going to set the stipulations. So now you got Vince standing there between Punk standing there between Cena to make this thing official the following night. We got two days of excellent programming to heat up the road to WrestleMania with a tremendous marquee match, in my opinion. You know, CM Punk versus John Cena. Okay, so here's like a crazy idea, okay? Could John Cena win the Royal Rumble? Could you do John Cena versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania and have John Cena win it and become the new Brock Lesnar? Could we finally get the John Cena heel turn? And it's a heel turn only in the respect that he's an absent champion. But you have John Cena with the WWE Championship going out and doing all this media, doing all these things, being introduced as the WWE Champion. I, I don't think, you know, unless you're going to make that hard heel turn, because that's what works with Brock, because he doesn't care to be there. Well, I mean, because He'd it would, it would just naturally happen, right? Like John Cena wins the title. That. He's treated as the savior for taking it from Brock Lesnar. And then he basically becomes Brock Lesnar. I know, but, but it works for Brock because that truly is Brock. It would kill Cena in the legacy because even if he's not, unless he comes out and says, you know what? I've been sitting back looking at this thing. You people, and I I'd hate to see, I hate this. You know, every heel does that when come back. Seth Rollins killed him. Oh, nobody wrote me. It was me versus everyone. But, Nobody chanted, chanted my name when I was gone. No, stay away from that. You need to keep John Cena true to John Cena, especially for that merch machine. Look at that thing where it's at there. And if John Cena becomes the champ, it's in John Cena's nature to say, you know what? If I'm going to represent this company as I have for over a decade, 20 years, whatever, my heart and soul, I'm going to be here. I have to choose this over Hollywood. That's not realistic. I think he's just good in a huge marquee match. Punk is my choice, hands down there. 
generous and get at us at HTMPWPod. Let us know. Do you miss John Cena? And if John Cena were to return for WrestleMania, who do you want to see John Cena face off with? Got a few different options there. Let's talk uh, the Wednesday Night Wars, Rick, because finally people have been on me wondering when I was going to say something other than, but NXT won last week. NXT straight up kicked AEW's ass last week, where or this Wednesday, however you want to look at it, um, inside of these ratings. NXT pulling 775,000 viewers, AEW 683,000 viewers. But the bigger story is even inside of the demographics. When you look men 18 to 49, NXT and AEW tied with a .31 rating. You shorten that to 18 to 34, NXT wins .23 to AEW's women 18 to 49 i thought this one was interesting nxt a 0.22 aew a 0.16 nxt number 27 for the night aew number 30 for the night um i guess we do have to say but the impeachment of donald trump drew 15 million fucking viewers 15 million i was gonna say are, are these are these ratings or my blood alcohol content yeah right um, so I'm very interested to see the plus three, the plus five, the plus seven when those numbers are released. But NXT won this week. Um, and it's in a way it irritates me and it irritates me only because NXT opens with that Finn Balor versus Adam Cole match. They had said in advance, this thing is going to air without any commercial interruption. People went to NXT and to NXT's credit. They kept viewers, but this match was exactly what we said it was going to be. It was set up for nothing more than the return of Johnny Gargano. We both knew that, but giving away Adam Cole versus Finn Balor on free television pulled the viewers. They kept the viewers. I'll give them that, but I I feel like they just blew their load here just for the sake of beating AEW in the quote unquote season finale. I was gonna say, you know, I, I made I made the comment over on Twitter at the Real RBV. If you'd like to give me a follow there, you know, if these ratings go in the tanker tonight, blame the Democrats. Uh, and you saw a, a drop in these numbers here, and it's it's okay. You know, we can't go at the promotions here because both of them gave us a hell of a show uh, for you know that that closing. They, you know, the they gave us great shows with awful endings. Both shows. That's yes, how I feel. Uh, absolutely, it. absolutely. I know we're going to jump into those things. So they're just looking at the overall and looking at these numbers. Yeah, I think they're tremendous. And, and rightfully so, NXT should have won this thing. They had a blockbuster of an evening where the highs were so high and there wasn't many dips. You know, everything was right around, I'd say, maybe a peak into a nine a little bit, but you didn't have anything go below a seven. Where on AEW, you had, you know, a lot of things hit an eight but you'd fall to a five and a half or six at some points. And this is one of the first weeks that we've had the head to head that I can also say personally, me for Rick Vickery, that, that NXT held my attention over AEW. Now, a lot of the times that's because I get to sit in honored to sit in with MSG, you know, with the, uh, like the fusion show where we review MLW and, and AEW. Uh, but even I usually try to go back and forth too. And there's never really been, not only say never, but you know, 90% of the time, AEW is holding my attention over NXT. And that was absolutely not the case this week. They come out big. 
you and I discussed it in the locker room. You know, we kind of had feared that they were going to go with this easy out just to set up this program to get back on track with Gargano and Balor. They, they were kind of pimping out this marquee matchup, if you will, that could have been absolutely huge down the road in a big spot with Cole and Balor. That was our greatest fear. But you held in the back of your mind, maybe they are going to do something else here. You know, we, we made a good argument for the possibility of Finn taking that thing. Hey, he's getting big boy money. They pulled him back to NXT saying, dude, we can do something big with him. He's going to be a huge influencer and play a huge role in dictating, you know, how successful we are over AEW. And after, you know, after this, what is it, six, seven, eight weeks, it might 12. be some heat getting on there. 12 weeks right now, okay? Shit, doesn't even feel like that. So after 12 weeks, you know, there might be some heat saying, okay, uh, what are you producing here with Finn Balor? We, we need something. Okay, well, so we I'm thought, happy. We, we thought, we thought they could have done that. I'm happy that you bring that up. Because I think everything that you just said is entirely true. All right? I Let's actually look at this thing. And the case could be made, all right, when Finn Balor debuted on the October 2nd episode of NXT. That was the first night that they went head-to-head with AEW. That night and every night there since, AEW has beaten them in the ratings. So over the course of 12 weeks... They have reinvented Finn Balor, and we have seen him rise from re-debuting to a championship match to open NXT, and NXT beats AEW in the rating this week. Could it be argued that Finn Balor is a fucking draw? Every week, we kept seeing these margins getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and it all corresponds with the rise and the rise and the rise of Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. I don't think that, and not even so much Ripley here, I don't think it should be any bit of a surprise with Finn Balor. I mean, you looked, as down as his creative was and how he was handled on the red or blue, how faithful that core was to him. Those pops remained. They still stayed, you know, just that the power behind him, that he would get his opportunity. And when that, when that happened, they were going to be there to stand tall, to continue to push Balor. And that's a group that was going to follow him to NXT. It's not like there's a there's like this huge drop off, you know, a huge chunk of his of his fan base that I still like, you know, sitting just watching Raw and SmackDown. Like, what happened to Balor? Where'd he go? Those people followed him to Wednesday night. Yeah, they I, want to see him succeed. Finn Balor fans are AEW fans. Like they are it's the same group of fans that like they've been following Balor ever since New Japan and they followed him to NXT the first time and they followed him to Raw and they all felt for him when he got hurt they were all super excited when he came back now we followed him back to NXT when we talk about people you know we just had this conversation involving Punk and you throw out names like Daniel Bryan like AJ Styles that represent that stand for what we have come to know is this rise, this emergence, this, this movement of power from indie-style wrestlers that are defying what we've known for all these years, the, the, you know, the bulking brutes and the powerhouses. They defy all of that. Finn Balor is in that group. He represents, and that is the, the key demographic, the key target for AEW. So if you can hold that group, Hold them over, and they did a great job on this show of you know of holding, retaining that viewership, with charging out of the gate with Finn Balor. Absolutely, you got to believe everything you're saying is right, Jargon. I mean, he's proving himself as a money maker. When we talked to Eric Bischoff last year, he told us that the formula to Nitro was one and a half things. 
One and a half things. That's what you do on every episode. Over the course of these 12 weeks, NXT has done a better job of giving you one and a half things to actually give a shit about. And when you look at the show as a whole, as a macro, NXT has been the better show. When you look at individual segments and how everything goes together, like I I can look at this AEW show and I feel like every segment was good, but I don't necessarily feel like it was a good show. NXT is delivering you a good show. They gave you one and a half things. And you know what those one and a half things were? Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. That was one and a half things. And they hammered it and they bookended this show with it with a whole bunch of stuff that you don't necessarily care about, but it was just good enough to hold your attention. You know what it really reminds me of? You know, me and my food comparisons, right? And as we're getting ready, as we're heading into the Christmas week and so many you know, fans and their you know, friends and family are going to come together for these incredible dinners. What NXT's been presenting reminds me of like that classic Christmas dinner. You've got two great dishes there. You've got a roast and a ham. You got a, some really nice little side dishes there. Where AEW is this awesome appetizer spread. It's great. It's gonna fill you up, but you're kind of just picking everywhere. Yep. Yep. That, that that's the only way that I can f- explain it now. A, a full season worth of television into this thing. So let's take a look at NXT. Adam Cole defeats Finn Balor, 15 minutes and 13 seconds, and Rick for about 14 minutes and 45 seconds. This match was absolutely fantastic. I I love everything about this match with the exception of the finish. I didn't like the way that this entire finish went down. Surprisingly, you know, I'm a pretty harsh critic when it comes to the Cole matches. This one didn't become too uh, Adam Coley for me. You know, I thought he controlled himself. He held off on some of the crazy spots or the comebacks, and they didn't do too much too early. They kind of let the thing evolve into and let that intensity build between them. Uh, So, yeah, I I liked it there. And, hey, I, I was into this one. You know, and absolutely. But as, as you, you could see, you could just start sensing as you're talking, you know, around that that 14 minute, that 14, 45 minute, you know, mark about what was going to happen. And, and it started. Oh, man. But then, you you know, you're thinking, OK, this is the direction they're going in. I kind of fear this thing, but I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it's going to play out. I guess my thing is. It went 15 minutes and 13 seconds. Like, I feel like I would have been much better with this Johnny Gargano angle if it would have went six minutes, you know, because now I'm not sure if I'm ever going to get this again. I'm not sure. Like, there's no reason for Adam Cole and Finn Balor to necessarily cross paths again, unless it's for the championship. Right. But as I'm looking at this, like, so that was the finish to this dream match that people have been anticipating for years. Like it, it just felt so underwhelming. Like I wish they would have just gave, if this is what you were going to do, just do it early. And so that way we can still save the intrigue for another matchup down the road. I, if, if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking into the crystal ball and maybe just kind of pinpointing, you know, looking at the town available, the direction that they might take here. I think in their mind, it might've been, okay, we, let's go a little longer here because we are up against some heavy hitters on the other show. I mean, they're, they're going out, they're going up against, you know, Kenny, Hangman, and the Lucha Bros. Right. And they're, you're just trying to speculate what the hell those four are going to come up with. They're come firing out of the gate here. So let's give, let's give our audience something to hold on to, get them really, you know, 
get them energized where they're almost to the point of exhaustion in this match. And then we'll go in with our gimmick. We'll, we'll gimmick this thing at the end. And in looking forward, I don't see these, as you put out there, Jargo, perfectly. It's, it's what reason do they, do they have to cross again, to cross one another? Right. That's what I'm thinking. You know, this is something you could save for the summer if you need to revisit. There's no reason to bring these two back together here, you know, in the first quarter, second quarter even of 2020. So I think you you can let that linger where people are like, man, remember that match they had on that on that NXT? And then you put them into a big takeover, you know, late summer, maybe SummerSlam, and then be like, wow, man, think about it. They get that in 15. What if they give them 30? Yeah. Uh, Damian, well, no, actually, let's talk about Johnny Payback first. Um, Johnny Gargano comes out and just beats the ever-loving shit out of Finn Balor with a chair. Um, now, I understand that Finn Balor kicked Johnny Gargano in the head. Um, and, yeah, I guess the shotgun drop kick on the floor and then the, the bloody Sunday on the ramp. But this just seemed like overkill for Johnny Gargano. Like, am I supposed to cheer Johnny Gargano now? Because he came out and beat up Finn Balor with a chair. Hey, I think you know they're they're going to have to do. They've got a great deal of work ahead of them in explaining this thing. Because you know that cheer there. I mean, that's that a pop for that return, and it's the excitement. These this program that we had kind of been is been put on hold, taken from us, is going to resume. Now that that follow up step is this is going to be the important one. It's how yeah. they handle that this week. Now the big question is: Do you do you fully? expose or explain that this week knowing that you're kind of on a down i mean you're christmas night and they're up against another you know you had we're talking about the numbers for impeachment and it's a tape show on wednesday night it's not live right so i mean you've got that going on there and then even in the next week you're on new year's day yeah but at least at least the christmas show they're standalone um unfortunately tnt is gonna whip their ass but it's not gonna be aew dynamite they have the nba game on wednesday night being christmas night ah interesting are so are, are they preempting are we moving dynamite no or? there is no episode of dynamite next week okay so they're just getting an off week they're taking the holiday well yeah i mean you're up against the nba on christmas like oh, I, T- I know. tnt I mean, is gonna take the nba on christmas you know? absolutely i just think or maybe if they try to move them to tbs no, if there's just not a show next week. Okay, so they, they want everybody, their full attention is going to be towards the, the NBA. Absolutely. I mean, that is a Christmas staple. I mean, it's like, well, hell, we're talking about TBS. I mean, it's just like TBS running nonstop 24-7, the Christmas story. Yep, exactly. It, it's just one of those things that go hand in hand. You're, you're not going to fuck that. And if you're AEW, you know, it's, you know they're always they're bragging, oh, we're here for the talent. You know, we're, we're different than everybody else. And you talk about uh, WWE for years and years and years. You're working holidays. You're working holidays. Well, they would have I mean, been this year, but, you know, they couldn't sell tickets, so they ended up right. doing the longest Raw ever. Right. So, I mean, it makes sense in AEW. You know, hey, we're uh, we're going to give our guys the holiday off. Yeah, go home for Christmas. You know, sell it that way. Watch a little. Make sure you still tune into TNT to watch some fine, fine basketball. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of number NXT just on their own does on that holiday. Uh, and then, you know, the next week as well, though, I mean, even New Year's people are going to be home that day. But, man, you're up against huge, huge football games. You know, you got the New Year's yeah. Six, you know, the big bowl day. Uh, so so how much business do you really want to do these next two weeks? Or do you go aggressive, man? Just dive in like, all right, you know what? We're going to tell people this is a reason you can't miss us. This is a reason you have to be tuned in. We're not we're not falling into, you know, the, that those regular trends 
where, okay, it's a holiday or we're up against something big. We're going to take our foot off the pedal a little bit, maybe coast on the break. No, we're going full throttle. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see when this exactly gets addressed. Uh, Damian Priest defeats Killian Dane, 14 minutes and 17 seconds. This going all the way back to war games. Um, I, I thought the match was good. You know, not not a whole lot else to say about it. I thought the match was good. Oh, sorry, I just got distracted here. I'm looking over at SmackDown. We're, what, 10 minutes into the show, and I already got king of cartoons king fuckface king corbin out there on the mic at least he's got the miz and daniel bryan in there with him to carry it but. oh dear god <laughs> the dusty tag team classic making its return we're gonna get the announcements for the teams here in a couple of weeks um rick do you have any early picks for the dusty tag team classic this year oh, wow i mean you talk about if we got what's what's the the date on this thing um i'm not sure so does it mean it's come back early January? That's, that's I mean, what I would assume. I mean, I, I almost expect that they're going to do this over the course of like three weeks in January and do like the finals at Worlds Collide. And that's what I was kind of looking towards. You know, like there's so many combinations I'd like to see get involved here from NXT UK. Yeah, I, I was wondering if they were going to be involved in the Dusty Classic. Uh, you know, if there could be some other, as we talk about, you know, we just had this great conversation about Finn Balor. Is there a team that could come back to NXT and represent, you know, I know they're there, but I would love to see a tremendous run from your boys, uh, Breeze and Fandango. You bet. I, I wouldn't mind seeing the major brothers, like reemerge as the major brothers. If you're going to make this, you know, come back for this, this great moment. I'm wondering if they do Keith Lee and Dominic Dickhead. I wonder if they put them together as a team. Man, you know, the, the other day someone had put, oh, it was Big Ray. Uh, Big Ray, here's hey, getting another drop on the show here today. Lots of love. Not just cyber loving, but real loving for Big, for Mick loving Big Ray. Uh, but, you know, he put out that, you know, if if you had to have a, a one match with Mark Henry and Keith Lee, you know, who would you have go over? And I laid out this thing where it would be a month-long build. It, essentially, it's, it's Keith Lee continuing to dominate, ride that wave of success. Henry, for it's some reason, don't even – it's not even like they're directly interacting – but he begins showing up in NXT, and he's there on a special scouting project. We don't know who yet. He's been very tight-lipped about that. And then at, at, at TakeOver Portland, Lee loses another big match in the championship, and he's he's just ejected. He's devastated. He's sitting there. And then Henry attacks, uh, hits, him, hits him with the big slam. It seems like we got a few going on between these two. And it was all a roundabout way to introduce Shane Taylor. And they beat the shit out of Lee. And then they actually all three come together as hashtag for the culture. So, I, hell, I mean, so I, to bring this back to what you're talking about with the Dusty Classic, man, I, I'd love to see if you're going to bring him in. At the, we were talking about opportunities for our boy Shane Taylor. Man, bring him and Keith Lee in together in the same thing. Uh, you bring up Shane Taylor. I sent you the tweet that I, I noticed the other night where uh, Shane was actually at the AEW show the other night, hanging out with a bunch of the guys. Thought that was interesting. Uh, Cameron Grimes. Defeats Kushida, 13 minutes and 58 seconds. More importantly, he gets his hat back. Uh, Rick, I'm assuming that we're going to get a rubber match between these two guys. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, a good outing here. And, and, you know, I usually get on, especially on AEW. And, you know, me, for my television, I don't want these plus 10-minute matches. I mean, maybe one in, in a big marquee moment or two as you had two marquee matches on this thing. It was, it was wrestling heavy on this show. 
Yeah. Uh, but these guys delivered, man. You know, I enjoyed this. And this usually isn't, you know, really my style, but but I really like both of these guys. I think they got great looks. And I, I think there's a lot of charisma as well. It pull, probably pulls me in a little bit more over it does, you know, most people of their style where it's all about the floor routine, the dot, dot, dive. These guys got real charisma, and I think they work well together. So I'm looking forward to seeing these guys go around again. Io Shirai defeats Santana Garrett in about four minutes. Uh, much more like it. Um, I, I, I think this was the right decision, and I think they gave Santana just enough that she looked credible in the ring with EO. I think every time I see EO out there, and you know, one of our brothers here on the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network, uh, Big Joe over at Turnbuckle Talk with Joe and Carl, I mean, they did tremendous job each and every week, and then Joe spun off into hashtag HTM Tech, putting out some great content for us, and absolutely love his takes and all this. You know, but there was one thing he, he and I butted heads on it, and he absolutely hated uh, the new direction that they went with you. Right out of the gate, you know, he thought it, it just made her look like everyone else. And to me, I saw it the exact opposite. It took her away from what we get, and thankfully they've done this, you know, pretty much across the board from that little Japanese schoolgirl look that would seem that everybody was getting kind of burdened with. And every time out in that entrance, man, you can sense there's something just wicked. And, and yet desirable about her. She's so exotic and she's so good in the ring. But as you said, Jarko, on the flip side of this, you take somebody like Santana Garrett who has all the skills in the world, especially in sports entertainment. I mean, she can absolutely go in the ring. She is so beautiful. She's so charismatic. I mean, she's going to have a tremendous future. This is a great way to get her out there, but you still make you know that your focal point, someone that you built behind you, make her look good. And this is what, this is how these things should be done. And I will say, you know, before we get to any Raw talk or anything like that or SmackDown, this is something I've liked how they're introducing some of these second-tier NXT women talents on the red and blue in losing outings. You like that? I do. Oh, that'll be a fun conversation. Uh, okay. Pete, Pete Dunn defeats Travis Banks. A little bit of UK representation here to uh, kind of gear things up for Worlds Collide. 10 minutes, 54 seconds. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it was Pete Dunn and Travis Banks. Inside the match, yeah, you got such history here. And they were putting that over. And there was something really that they talked about during this match that really jumped out to me. And and this kind of goes back to, you know, Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano in Worlds Collide. They were talking about in this, you know, where does Pete Dunne's loyalty lie going into Worlds Collide? Because now, yes, NXT or, you know, North America, they were the one who signed his paychecks. But his heart and his soul, I mean, it arguably is in the U.K., but this got me thinking, you know, going to that Balor and Gargano point. Uh, this could be where Balor's like, I want Gargano at World's Collide. And, you know, Regal comes out and he says, well, that's not the point of this show. Obviously, you have a beef. I understand. So you can even have Gargano. Like, I, okay, I'll do that. Let's do it. And you have Regal come out and say, gentlemen, that's not the point of the show. This is about brand supremacy. You know, this is us versus them. It's the, it's the, the war of the great drink, the revolutionary war all over again. We're going head to head. Have, have Balor then be like, you know what? No, I've already proven when the day that I showed up here next year, I prove I go where I want, when I want. Hey, by the way, not only am I born and raised, my heart and soul is in the UK. I was there on their first show. So I'm NXT UK. Now give me the damn match. And have Gargano be like, you know what, dude? I'm the heart and soul of NXT. Well, we will represent here. We're going to kick your ass. That's where you, then you get some freaking great heat between those two. Let those two slug it out at War of the Words in, the, in round one. My biggest fear uh, with those two guys is I don't see any way 
that Johnny Gargano gets cheered. That's my fear. I just I just laid it out there for you. Make I, it. I th- it. I know, but I, I I'm saying amongst the NXT fans, amongst those diehard pro wrestling fans that are going to go to an event like a world's collide or go to a takeover Portland without it having another marquee event kind of as the bookend for the weekend. You do do because at world's collide, you have the Royal rumble. Well, I, but I'm assuming that they're going to hold this off until Portland. I don't think that's why I'm saying That's why I'm saying have round one where you set up where Balor has said, I'm going to go to NXT UK. You got Gargano saying, all right, I'm representing, I'm the heart and soul of the Midwest, baby. I'm America. I'm NXT North America. Let's do this. That's round one. I still think those fans cheer Balor over Gargano. And I don't think that's what you want. I think you make this just like a personal blood feud and you got to make Balor just the most dastardly motherfucker on the face of the planet. That's And that's what this is. This, that's what this is because you're having this on American soil. And you bring up the Revolutionary War. You bring that this is America's oldest enemy, and we've got the heart and soul representing us, and Johnny I, Gargano. I get that. And you're talking about inside of a storyline. Yeah, that all makes sense. I'm telling you, in fucking reality, the audience is going to cheer Finn Balor over okay, Johnny Gargano. Then, then embrace it because Johnny worked fine when that crowd turned on him and went with Ciampa. Then I embrace just, it. Feel it. Work on the fly with these two. I think they're both capable of that. I, I don't know. I'm really worried about that. Well, in your case, up. no matter where you do it, when you do it, if they're going to favor Balor, then work on the fly with it. And I'm not saying Balor's got to start pandering and turn man to his little poses and Balor club for everyone, but you can have Johnny get into a darker spot. We've seen that from him. He's very capable in that position. Yeah, I, I, I'm afraid that this ends up being like a Bray Wyatt fiend thing. Like, no matter what Finn Balor does to Johnny Gargano, like, he could go and fuck his sister and and murder his mother, and that fucking NXT audience is still going to cheer Finn Balor over Johnny Gargano. And that's, they know that, they know what's happening there. This isn't like it's the first time they've been introduced to their fan base. This has been in NXT since its existence. And that's one thing that AEW has going for it over NXT. Yes, they've been able to... Manipulate uh, the audience. Manipulation is good. One. I didn't want to say like control or you know whatever or puppeteer, uh, but they've, they've convinced them to yep. buy into this thing. To play along. They still have good faith with the fans. Hashtag all in. You betcha. Uh, Shayna Baszler's 416 day reign comes to an end in 20 minutes and 49 seconds. I thought this was probably the women's match of the year. And I think that was just because of my emotional investment inside of the match. They had done a fantastic job of building Rhea Ripley to be that babyface badass that takes the title from Shayna Baszler. And then they did this post-match bullshit. I, I mean, I, I love the match, man, but that post-match celebration just almost yes. ruined it for me. And I, I didn't get this at all. But to speak to the match itself, you know, you you have two incredibly gifted talents that did, went out there, Mr. Jargo, and made you look like a genius when you were catching heat a couple of weeks ago when you said there are four, maybe five, true female main eventers inside of this business. You can't some flack for that. You were right up there with the Sandman. How dare you? You rotten bastard. This is a women's movement. You need to get with the times, Dargo. Now, you're exactly right. And these were two of the names that you put up there. And they went out there and absolutely freaking delivered. This is, as you said, arguably women's match of the year. 
uh, just on its pure excellence. On that merit alone, it stands heads above everything else. And then they just over they overbooked themselves. They outthought this entire thing. I don't know which direction you want me to start. I mean, I can break this thing down from hit it from any ring post. Well, here's how I feel about it. All right. If that's what they wanted to do, if they wanted to have this big crowning moment for a baby face to finally beat Shayna Baszler and, you know, you empty the locker room and the fans get involved and there's like that big moment of embrace. That's the story that you do with Dakota Kai before you turned her heel. That, I mean, somebody that Shayna Baszler put on the shelf for, what, eight fucking months that we all felt was poised to take that title from Shayna Baszler. And she had to fight back with everything that she was to even get back into NXT, let alone to climb the ranks high enough that she could finally challenge Shayna Baszler. That was the story they told, but that's not the story that Rhea Ripley has been on the path of in any way, shape, or form. Hell, she's only been in NXT for three months. Absolutely. You know, it, that was my thought exactly. Like somebody like Kai or, or, you know, or Candice, the all-American girl who we know her, you know, the history in her entire career. Like and, when uh, Bailey finally won the title. Absolutely. Absolutely. In that moment. It, it would ring true. I mean, it would be a tremendous great moment. It would be one of those moments we talk about for years to come. Uh, you know, then my other question, I love how you throw it out there. She's been in the, she's been with this company or in this promotion, this brand for three months. And I could even understand if you want to talk about, you know, talk about that. Explain in this short time that she has been here, the impact that she has had on this locker room. And it, to speak to that is the leadership that she demonstrated at Survivor Series, how instrumental she was in putting NXT on the map and defeating both Raw and SmackDown. No one thought we could. And she was the driving force behind that. She has touched so many so many hearts, so many souls, and ignited a passion inside. We didn't get any of that in storytelling. This was about what the build was, that personal, you know, just between those two, who's going to be the better competitor. That would have worked even if you if you wanted to go that route. Now this just seemed forced. And, and I'm not really sure, as you're laying out there, Jungle, why? Why did everyone in the back feel so attached to this? Why was it so moving that they would stick around and not just stick around and then make their way to the ring for the celebration? On the flip side of this, what has Shayna Baszler done to be this despised, just low-life bastard that it would, you know, cause a, a, a damn near parade, a, a riot of rejoice? Well, and you I know, mean, it's, she was it's that character. Some- she was that character. Like when she took out Dakota Kai, and she was just like taking people out every freaking week, and it was absolutely awesome, right? I, I get this, but yeah, I mean, I can see what. But she the hasn't been division. that person for I six could- months. I could see that within the women's division, but you're going to motivate the men to also get on board with this right. thing as well. I mean, the, the reaction that the, the way they handled this, this is like someone finally put down Stephanie McMahon. It was like Tommy Dreamer finally beat Raven. You know, the, the way that they built this thing, it was like Tommy Dreamer finally took out Raven. Did your headphones come unplugged? Yes, am I back? Yep, you're back. I, I got all excited, flailing my arms around here, and all excited, <laughs> pulled out, knocked myself off offline here. Uh, but yes, uh, it, you're you're right. I mean, this didn't call for that kind of moment. It, it should have been uh, Ripley, you know, standing there in dominance, 
in the middle of that ring, setting the tone. Okay, this is the new champion. This is the new standard. This is the bar has been set here. Tune in next week. We're going to find out what this this new direction, the new champ, the new reign of Ripley, what's in store for NXT. And then, you know, you go off with that, but then you pan over, you know, in between there to show the detection and the the devastation and defeat in the eyes. 416 days in her second reign. The most dominant force inside WWE, Shayna Baszler. It, it just, and then you made her just look like this terrible, awful person. Well, she, as you said, she's been out there doing this on her own and she's just wowing individuals. Well, and the other thing that I don't get is looking back on it now, war games. Like the only person who who Rhea Ripley should really have heat with coming out of war games is Dakota Kai because she's the one that actually turned on the team, right? Like under the circumstances, shouldn't you have put Baszler's team over? Like no every at every turn that we have went through in this story with Ripley and Baszler, it's been Ripley over strong, right? The, I like, yeah, Baszler's star power has absolutely risen, but most of that was through the main roster. When you just look at inside of NXT, this entire program has been Ripley over strong since the very, very beginning. Rick, I, I, I'm kind of confused with what's going on here. Like, is this when Shayna moves up or across or however you want to call it? Well, this is, hey, let's, let's throw it out there. Hit the wheel signal. You know, we got to get on this. I mean, there's got to be something deeper here. You know, to me, maybe this wasn't the plan. Maybe this is an audible that was called. I mean, because as it is, like, let's just say for the sake of argument, Shayna Baszler is going to stay in NXT. She's never moving to Raw or SmackDown. If that's the case, I feel like Shayna Baszler should come out and demand a rematch with Rhea Ripley. I mean, she was the women's champion for 416 days. Okay. Yeah. You got me. You beat me. I want my fucking rematch and then have her go out there and choke the bitch out and take this moment away from the fans. I mean, because that's what heels do. Right. And then you actually have sympathy for Rhea Ripley because as it is right now, this has been nothing but Ripley over strong. And I don't really see where the story goes from here. If you're talking about it, she, Shayna has to be on the move. She's got to be shipped into a Monday or Friday. I mean, obviously, you have a return bout. You're going to get a little bit more out of this thing. Not really sure how you go about that, but she's got to be on the move. I mean, even if she retakes that title, I mean, how much more intrigue is there for another extended run like this? Or do you just take her off TV for a month, debut her in the Rumble, she wins the damn thing, and goes after Becky Lynch? Hey, I'd be fine with that. You know, just... Uh, have her even, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, bringing instead of these these drafts or shakeups, whatever it is, where you're you're pursuing somebody as you would as, a, as an actual sports franchise. You're courting them, and you want to wine and dine and get them to sign a nice little contract. You know, have her come out and say, you know, sometimes you got to admit you got gotten, but I had a hell of a run uh, in my second reign, four hundred sixteen days, Ripley. I don't like you. I don't respect you, but I'll acknowledge that you got me. And one day our cross will pass again. And and I'm never going to forget this and you're going to regret it. But for now I'm moving on. Yeah. I'd be down with that. Absolutely. Let's talk about AEW. 
Uh, the I know, and absolutely on that as well. If if they start into a thank you, uh, don't go chant, I'd ever just tell that audience and tell the whole locker room off. Oh yeah, absolutely. Make sure that she gets your heat, girl. Give, give everybody the old stone cold salute as you're on your way out. You bet you get your heat. Uh, Lucha Bros defeat Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, but the bigger story here. I even I didn't even have her paint like one nail red, one nail blue, and she's flipping everybody <laughs> off. I like that. Nice touch. But the bigger story here, of course, Kenny and Hangman Page seem like they are on the wrong pages. Um Rick, this thing just keeps on building and building until we're going to actually want to see these guys fight. But uh, right now it just feels kind of convoluted because we have this whole other thing going on with Pac and Michael Naka 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 Nakazawa backstage. Um, somehow Excalibur knew by looking at the back of his head that that was Michael Nakazawa. I thought that was a <laughs> Yeah, nice. Nice little touch there. Um, I... Number one, I guess the Lucha Bros get the win, so hopefully that'll help them out in the rankings, and arguably we can get Lucha Bros versus SCU. I could see that as a program going forward. Rick, what do you make of this Kenny and Hangman situation? Is this actually going to result in one of these guys turning eventually? You know, the way you laid it out there, I've been I've been thinking about this. We talk about these hot openers going against each other. The NXT Championship taking on a loaded tag match here. I mean, some some top stars and draws, if you will, in AEW. And I just could not get into this tag match. Uh, and I I don't know exactly as you laid it out there. Maybe because there's so much going on between Hangman and Kenny and what their little side things are. And, and right now, I, I'm still trying to get back to the point where I'm excited about the Lucha Bros and tag matches. Well, and I, I was going to say, it doesn't help that we've seen Kenny versus Pentagon several times now. We've seen Kenny versus Phoenix for the AAA Mega Championship recently in a couple of different promotions. Like, I, 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 I'm I, with you, man. I still have Lucha Bros fatigue. Yeah, and it, it might have been just not even if, if they were up against something completely different. Uh, you know, if you have them up against the Dunn and Bates match, maybe maybe it does win me over. Maybe it was the competition it was up against. But and I had up, I had them on side by side, and I just found myself. You know, the sound was on NXT, and I didn't look over all that much. I had to go back and rewatch so much of AEW, including this match. Well, and it was it, it just, just cold. Like there's no heat going into this match. Like there's no issue here. I mean, yeah, there's history between Kenny and both of the Lucha Bros. Hangman doesn't really have a whole lot of history other than the Lucha Bros like to beat up their friends. Well, you bring that star power in. That's great. But it really did. As you know, you've got is you've got what's brewing between Hangman and Kenny. Kenny's also got things going on there with Pac. And then it was like, okay, the Lucha Bros are just there. I mean, great. They're awesome. Yep. Um, and then they do like the split screen thing. Like once Pac appears and, and it, it it's clear that he's going to attack Michael Nakazawa. They go to commercial and they have like the picture in picture thing going on while Kenny's backstage looking for him. He finally gets back to the locker room and he opens the door and Pac and Nakazawa are gone. And it was just, it was weird. I, I don't understand what they were, what, what exactly it was that they were going for. W, WWE commentary is going crazy that, uh, that WWE just pulled the Lego spot in the ring. Oh, Jesus. They've got a, a holiday brawl going on with heavy machinery in the revival. Oh, I'm so happy I'm not watching that. <laughs> Cody and Darby Allen defeat the Butcher and the Blade in about 11 minutes. Um, 
Rick, we talked about this inside of the locker room. This entire thing was really set up so that Darby could get another singles matchup with Cody. That's going to go down on the January 1st episode of Dynamite. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, The only thing that I really disliked here, I didn't like the Butcher and the Blade just losing already. Yeah, it's it really feels like they've been sacrificed. And this really goes back, you know, when they actually had made their own statement that they were here to cut off the head of the snake. I mean, it, it felt like they were here for, uh, you know, something that they saw as a righteous cause. Like they were here to make a statement. And there was some kind of real movement. And then they kind of, they just erased that completely with the social media release of MJF. I mean, brilliant promo, but it was it completely trashed what we had believed that the butcher, the blade and the bunny were all about. And now here now they're already losing in the, these to makeshift teams here. And the, again, you know, we're talking about the Lucha Brothers just happened to be there. I mean, they just felt like they were here. This was more about what's happening with Darby and Cody than anything else. So now you've all in, in a in a crowded dance floor where we've got the nightmare, whatever the hell they are. We, we've got the dark order. We've got this other dark gimmick with the, the butcher, the blade and the bunny. They are now taking a serious backseat here. Yeah. Um, What they should have done is they should have just went with a DQ. Just have the butcher and the blade get like so tired of beating up on Darby Allen that they go and grab chairs and they beat up Darby Allen some more. Cody and Darby actually get the win. You still get the Cody versus Darby matchup because Darby refused to give up. Can keep putting him in that underdog role and the butcher and the blade retain their heat. Like, absolutely. You know, it's just... you took this this new team that you've introduced here that has great promise, could be moving forward in a division that you're highly hyping. I mean, we've got so many different talents that are focusing on that realize, hey, the te- this tank division is hot. You want to be a part of this thing. This is where you're going to make a run here. And you take one of these teams that you would have great potential with that people are interested in, generally getting behind because they're huge fans of these talents. They're intrigued by their characters. You completely just crap all over here in this moment just to further along something with Cody. But in that aspect, to speak to what's going on with Cody, I, I think this lends to this notion I've been kind of hitting at and pointing towards. Everybody's coming at Cody. Every direction, there's things coming at him. And it's, you know, people just want a piece of him. When is this going to be too much? You know, when is this commitment to I'm a wrestler first and then I'm also a VP trying to drive this company? When is this going to become too much weighing on his shoulders? And when is he going to start showing signs that he is going to crack and, and that we see uh, an evolving of him or possibly where he steps away to open up a little bit of that spotlight. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about awesome Kong. Awesome Kong squash a jobber. That's the end of talking about awesome Kong jungle boy and Jr. That have, was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, jungle boy and Jr. have a little sit down interview. This is really the first time that we've gotten to hear jungle boy in any kind of uh, a, a real human being sort of context. Um, and I thought that this was really, really good. He seems really, really quiet, really, really laid back, very, very humble, like everything that you want in a white meat baby face. Um, but I, I don't know, because ju- the the whole like Jurassic Express thing is just so freaking weird to me. Like this is totally blowing the narrative that he's Jungle Boy, you know, but yeah, it, it, it was just it was strange to me. I think you, you needed to get beyond that. You know, he is he's living that he is jungle boy but there's so much I mean you talk about this group and I made this comparison over there with MSG on on lighting diffusion man it, this is it just I'm not comparing the characters or the talent I'm talking about the vibe and the reaction 
and the following and the admiration, the just pure love and enjoyment. It's like a modern day BWL, you know, led by our, our great friends, yeah. Will and Hami Media Group, Stevie Richards. Throw out another plug there for everybody. Mr. Jargo, him and Stevie Richards, they're going to be coming at you with NFL playoff football talk. What are you guys going to hit the playoffs? Hitting the playoffs. Yeah, that's going to be making its way to uh, the HTM podcast network as well as Hameen Media here in just the next couple of weeks as we uh, approach uh, the wild card divisional rounds and uh, on through the Super Bowl. Looking forward to that. I said, man, you guys got to talk about somewhere in there, maybe like a follow up when you wrap everything up, uh, a coach's carousel of what we're going to see in the postseason. Real quick, funny story on this way. You know what? This is the, the season for giving. We're talking. We're dropping names left and right on this episode. So let's let's work in here. Ryan K. Bowman of the GorillaPosition.com. One of the first people that gave us a break, picked up this great show, the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. But uh, immediately as we dropped hashtag HTM Sports last week, and my phone's blowing off. It's Ryan K. Man, you've been doing hashtag HTM Sports for about a year and a half, two years. You guys have not had me on yet. He's been paid to write for professional baseball. He's had stories picked up for the Miami Herald. Absolutely love sports, giving me all sorts of heat that we have not had him on. I said, dude, I said, you're talking to the wrong person. I said, I'm, I'm getting booted from my own show coming up here for the NFL postseason. I said, not only am I getting booted, not only am I getting kicked off, not even am I just getting super kicked off, I'm getting Stevie kicked off my own show. <laughs> Tremendous, absolutely tremendous. Uh, what the hell are we talking? About? Oh, Jungle Boy, Jungle Boy, yeah, Yo, yeah. But we're making that those parallels, those connections, man. The people love these guys, and I, this is another thing. You got so many these Mark Tards out there that jump on Jr.'s case because he calls them Jungle Jack Perry or Jungle Boy Jack Perry. You need that. That's that crossover appeal. I mean, you got yeah. a great looking young kid here. I mean, he doesn't absolutely he doesn't have the size, but he's got a good build. Uh, he's got a, he's got model good looks. You get that personality out there. Let that shine. Then you got the tie-ins. That's that's what Perry said. You're gonna start pulling people. Holy shit! I I, grew, I love Dylan or you know from anything. You're going to pull people over. There's a markability there. And then you got this like circus going on with a giant dinosaur and whatever the hell with Marco Stunt. You know, a, a four foot grown man. I'll tell you, to sit down and really get to know these guys, and I am still a little disappointed. I'm starting to bring myself around here when, when Bleacher Store started talking and we get the PhD dinosaur. You know, but I did you did you see their uh, wrestlers ordering, ordering uh, delivery food or whatever no. the hell that is? With the Bucks? No, I haven't watched that. I actually enjoyed that thing, getting to know them. And I think if you took that that jungle boy and you put that out there, People will relate to that. And I'm talking about wrestlers that, you know, we need to be in awe of like a Randy Orton. I would love my wrestling to be like that all around, but that's not the situation. We got to work within reality and people gravitate towards people like jungle boy. You got to milk that money cow. Especially when he hasn't won a match yet. You know, it works. Well, it, it, look, I mean, it, his, his biggest claim to fame is a, a non pin yep. or surviving 10 minutes, you know? Yep. Yeah, Jericho versus Jungle Boy. I guess Jungle Boy gets the win here, whether it be by either surviving 10 minutes or a countout. Because uh, after surviving for 10 minutes, Jericho demands five more minutes. And then about a minute and a half into that, he just grabs his title and walks out. 
in which case he would have been counted out. Jungle Boy would have won. So however you want to look at it, I guess I'll write this up as a win for Jungle Boy, even though Jericho absolutely denies it and he denied it immediately after the match, which I thought was hilarious before shifting to talk about John Moxley and the invitation to join the inner circle. Um, Rick, everybody inside of AEW is recruiting because, you know, we would also see the Nightmare Collective coming up, re- recruiting Chris Statlander. Um, we have hashtag join the dark order, which we're going to talk about here in just a couple of minutes. Um, which faction inside of AEW would you want to join? Well, I'll tell you who's out. He is out on the campaign trail. He is blowing this thing up. William Alicia is pushing that join the dark order everywhere. I, I've, I don't know if he's got it out for me. I mean, he's following me into other groups. He's following me to foodie pages. He's hitting up my own personal timeline. I don't know if I trust this website, man. They, they want some serious personal information on this thing. I have I to, guess to sign I up here for it yet. Yeah, I mean, they, they want some personal, some, some deep and dark stuff, man. Um, I think if I'm going to join anything, I, I'm going to go with the Jargo look. I'm shaving my head and just rolling around with Brandy. Yeah, I mean, how, do, how can you possibly go wrong? Except for that other bald guy. He's, he's starting to creep me out. I don't think it's Dustin anymore. Um, after after the, watching this week's episode, um, any anything to say about Jungle Boy versus Jericho? Like I thought this was very very well done. I, I think it's great. You know, it's entertaining. Uh, it's something to get them through to a bigger program here, and they're absolutely giving giving disrupt to like you know we talk about regularly. We just put them over. The, the audience absolutely loves these guys. When you find something like that, just as well as Darby Allen, and yes, they got so many talents. There are. When are we going to get introduced to these people? The more important thing is when you do get someone out there and you're getting a reaction, don't go away from them. Keep that rolling. No Moxley on this week's show. Evidently, he's sitting at home and really mulling over this decision if he should join the inner circle or not. Uh, evidently, Excalibur seems to think that this is a really good offer that Moxley has to join the inner circle, although he didn't necessarily explain to us why. Um, Rick, what do you what do you make of Moxley? Yeah, I, I do like take the time away. Don't force this thing. You got time. I you know, let it let it fester. Let people think about it. And you have people, you know, like Excalibur, just teasing it a little bit before we really have to dive into it. Chris Statlander defeats Britt Baker to become the number one contender. In case you haven't heard, Britt Baker is actually a dentist and the girlfriend of Adam Cole. I know. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. When did this news drop? I, I, I know, man. I'm. It, it's just... Yeah, unconfirmed rumors well, at this point. Well, why didn't you tell me about this? Uh, Chris Statlander. Let's let, let's talk about her because uh, there was a story that came out earlier this week that she almost signed with the WWE before signing with the AEW. Um, now she's the number one contender, even though I think she's only 2-0 inside of the company. Uh, and evidently, she believes that she is an alien. That's, that's what's going on with the weird makeup and some of these odd promos that she is cutting. Uh, Evidently, though, she is not joining the Nightmare Collective. She understands that humans wave their finger at somebody when they mean no. So, Rick, clearly, I guess this is going to lead to Chris Statlander versus Riho. Statlander wins the AEW Women's Championship, and then Awesome Kong gets injected into the title picture. Is is that how we, we do this here? I wonder if this really is more of a, a bit of a teaser for that. Uh, you got Satlander in there, but she still remains the target of the Nightmare Collective. So Kong comes out, 
and takes her out, but you still get that image. You get that crossing of the past between Kong and the champ. So we're teasing a future program. Interesting. Uh, what do you make of Chris Statlander? Because it, it seems like over the course of the last two weeks, she has become clearly like, you know, the second or third best woman in the world. I, I got to admit, man, I, she's, she's growing on me as talent. And, and I will say with that, though, it's not like I've been, okay, I, I have to stop what I'm doing or if I'm going back to watch this thing, like I'm like the notepads out, you know, I'm breaking it down, all the mannerisms and everything in that nature. But I'm starting to like her. It might be just like I find her really attractive as well. I literally read on Facebook the other day, somebody made the comment that she's going to be the next Charlotte. And I was like, well, you get the fuck out of here. Maybe that's why I'm attracted to her. Get the fuck out. She's had like two matches on national television. She's going to be the next Charlotte. Dude, I said something the other day. Get the fuck out of here. And I, kind of, I was over in the uh, the live discussion. It was on Wednesday, actually. It was in the live discussion over on Facebook. I'm media group. And I said, I, I don't know what it is, but there's something about it. And, and I, I really think it's respect for how good she is at her craft. But I find myself becoming like more and more attracted to Shayna Baszler. Um, it's, especially when she's in there just, I mean, working it, man. And I think it's a, it's a respect thing. You know, have you ever been around somebody you're not maybe necessarily like so physically attracted to, but you, you work with them for so long or you see what they're doing that you, you just, they're, they're just this tremendous person. You, you just appreciate their work ethic and their dedication and their passion. Let's talk about Sean Spears. Um, I guess I'm a little more worldly than you. <laughs> evidently. Evidently. Uh, let's talk about Sean Spears. Uh, evidently, Sean Spears is on the hunt for a tag team partner. That's what that's what everything is kind of leading to here. Rick, who do you think is going to be Sean Spears' next tag team partner? Oh, man. Now, now, that's a good question. You know, I mean, with these other questions you had for me on this week's run, if it's, you know, for John Cena or whatever it might be, those came right to me. But, man, this one, this takes some, some thinking. Now, you could come at this from a number of number of directions i i guess ultimately in your mind Jarko, does that person exist inside of aew currently well i mean i would like to say yes because i i think of everybody that i have seen inside of aew at this point the person that i would like it to be is kip sabian i i could see those two working together very very well as a tag team um but they they kind of blew that off like the second week into this Evidently, tag well, team partner surge. The first week. Well, I, I I guess I'm counting it as the second week because I I guess I first heard Sean Spears talk about it on Dark, on dark during on dark, the yeah. Trent Beretta match. Yeah, that's a good choice too. I wouldn't mind seeing Trent Beretta and Sean Spears as the tag team. Well, you you had talked about that. You know, was that part of the bigger plan? Is if if we build a horseman a horseman esque faction inside of AEW? I mean, you that was one of the first moves you wanted to make. I mean, how crazy could it be for, you know, someone that is the ultimate thorn in his side right now and Joey Janela? Ooh, that could be an interesting one, too. Yeah. I mean, you you talk about it yourself, Jarry. You put it out there. I mean, we need something, a drastic change, something to truly define Joey Janela. And I, you talk about odd pairings and how great they have somehow gelled, you know, team, you know, uh, hell no, or team hell yes, whatever the hell they were, Kane and Brian. Right. Now, how well that, I mean, those yin and those yangs. And if you give the glue that holds that together is Tully, it maybe it goes back and it plays in because how cheesy was it when uh, when Janela actually kidnapped Tully Blanchard? You know, I'm sorry, that's one of those things. I'm sitting there watching that segment and I'm like, 
everything I know about Tully and, and you're playing to a smarter audience, Tully would whoop his ass. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's not getting taken anywhere, let alone tied to a chair unless you let him. Yeah. So I'm, I'm leaving Kip Sabian. If I had to pick one, that's, that's who I put in there. Uh, SCU retained the AEW tag team championships against the young bucks match goes about 11 minutes. Um, and it seemed like they were running out of time. It, it really seems like time management is a, a real struggle for AEW. Um, so the match was fine. Uh, I had made the case that I thought the young bucks should go over in this match, but they keep them on SCU. I'm fine with that as well. Um, and then we get the dark order thing. Uh, so, and I would have been fine with the dark order thing. I'm fine with them beating up SCU. I'm fine with them beating up the young bucks. And then they proceed to beat up basically all of the main baby faces on the show, you know, and that's where it got to be too much for me. I, I didn't need to see him beat up Cody. I didn't need to see him beat up Kenny just so Excalibur could throw out that where's hangman page, which I think is a red herring. We'll talk about that here in a second. Um, Rick, what do you make of this whole dark order angle at the end of the show? Yeah, to me, this this really fell flat. Completely missed the mark for me. I do want to ask you, have you seen this gif that just recently is floating around? Uh, maybe it's just maybe you were prepping a little too much before the show here. I, I just seen it while I was eating dinner. It's one of the Dark Order members, and he's on top of Dustin. I mean, right on the hard cam, and he's oh, yeah. just pump, and just completely like nowhere near him. Yeah, just punch, nowhere punch near him. That's that's I, I chimed in with with the Jr. By God, I mean, can you imagine how forceful how forceful their blows are? They're not even anywhere near him. Look at the impact. The yeah, my, my God, I, on Dustin. If he hit him in the face, he would have killed him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the power of the Dark Order. I mean, that there. Yeah, I might have to just change. They've already convinced Will. I mean, maybe that's what got to him. Just the fear of just absolutely just just crushing his money maker. You know, just get rid of that beautiful face. I mean, he's joined them. I mean, that's why they're wearing masks. They've all been punched like that. So there's a lot. But of, overall, it, it just it felt flat for me there. So there's a lot of people speculating about Hangman Page and if Hangman Page is going to hashtag join the Dark Order. Um, and, and that's why he did not come out to help his friends. Uh, I think clearly after watching Being the Elite, uh, Hangman is becoming an alcoholic and uh, it, it would only make sense that after almost getting into a fight with one of his good friends, Kenny Omega, earlier on in the show, and then uh, Kenny Omega not even like you know paying off the fight with him. Instead, he was much more worried about his close friend Michael Naka 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 Nakazawa, and what's going on with Pac. Uh, immediately after Hangman hit the showers, and then he went to the bar. Like he was already out of the building. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you here. And to me, you know, that, that speculation, why wouldn't you be there to help your friends? I and mean, where was this concern when no one's helping Cody? Yeah, right. Yeah, everyone everyone has their own things. And to me, that's a disconnect in the storytelling. And that's something that we usually praise them for, that they're very good about tying things together like that. And they're looking forward. you got to look deeper into what they've got going on. If they go that route, that's a huge miss for me. But yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's more play into Hangman doing cowboy shit. And what cowboys do? They go hit the honky tonk, right? You betcha. Um, but I do think somebody is going to hashtag join the Dark Order, um, and I think that that someone was in the ring getting beat up. Uh, Rick, a couple of weeks ago, Cody told the uh, Dallas Morning News that all you have to watch for AEW is Dynamite, 
Everything else is shoulder content. And that is the biggest load of bullshit that I think I have ever heard come out of Cody Rhodes's mouth. And I've heard a lot of bullshit come out of Cody Rhodes's mouth. But that one might take the cake. Uh, let's go back to being the elite and uh, kind of take a look at some of the things that have been going on there with this whole hashtag join the dark order thing, right? So we saw this guy, he goes up and he grabs a hold of the piece of paper and he tears one off. If you notice at that point, there's like four of those tabs left. Later on another episode of Being the Elite, we see Michael Nakazawa and Michael Nakazawa goes up to grab one and Kenny Omega stops him. But you see that there's only three. So like another one has been taken from this piece of paper and Kenny Omega makes a comment to Michael Naka 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 Nakazawa about how you don't want nothing to do with that. Like, come on, man. This is this is like, come on. No. Kenny Omega is going to hashtag join the Dark Order. That's what I think is going on here. It, the way it looks to me, Rick, what they're doing is they are building factions very, very similar to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that has kind of been the focus of season one of AEW. So now we have the Elite, we have the Inner Circle, we have the Nightmare Collective, and we have the Dark Order, which is going to be a whole lot bigger than just an individual tag team. Well, in order for the faction system to work, you have to have enough guys that can be headliners and in main events in all of these factions. The Dark Order needs a headliner. They need that lead character that's going to be able to be their representative in all of the main events. And I think that man is going to be Kenny Omega. And this is where we get some kind of like evolved version of the cleaner. Yeah. I absolutely could see that. And you you had talked about this before this entire thing got going. One of the things you'd love to see AEW kind of implement to bring from outside promotions where they could learn and grow is to go with you know what we've seen in Japanese wrestling and is utilizing the staples. And I asked you, I said, is the West prepared? Are they ready for something like this? I mean, we've seen how they flipped out over the NWO. And when they heard about, oh, what are they, NWO? It's all these people. And they didn't understand the culture of the business inside of the narrative in Japan. So – do you think this was just, all right, we're going to use this season one as building blocks? We're not, we, we know we can't just throw this out there. They're not going to understand. It's going to go way over most of their heads. But if we can start gearing up towards this thing, is this, in, in doing so, how does this affect New Japan USA? That's an interesting uh, question there. I'm I mean, are, sure. you, are you cutting off? I don't want to say a neck and neck competitor, but certainly someone that is going to pull interest from your product, especially with all the, you know, the past ties. Do you want to get there and establish that for yourself before they fully get go up and go? I know they're going to go early in the year, but it's going to take them a little bit to get some steam, you know, get some wind under, under those wings. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that direction of it. That's a good point. So I'm looking forward to faction wars inside of AEW. At least that's what I'm I, I'm kind of feeling is going to happen. Uh, so let's go ahead. Um, I want to talk about Revolution, this uh, pay-per-view that AEW is getting ready to do. What is it? February 29th. They're doing Leap it day. on Leap Day. Yes. I mean, how cool is that, man? Um, there's a lot of people that are wondering why they're going back to Chicago already. And uh, they're, they're kind of getting some shit from the Internet wrestling community for going back to Chicago already. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Stop. I know, right? What? Are I you know. telling me the happiest, the happiest people in the cyberverse uh, that are out there just, you know, they're making love, man. They're, they're about love. 
they're, they're actually complaining about something. Yeah, like Taylor Swift said, you need to calm down. Um, this is being ran in coordination with C2E2, which is a, a big uh, video game, comic book, nerd convention kind of thing. And uh, that's why they're running this different venue right in downtown Chicago. Uh, people just need to calm down, man. Like, there's a reason that they're doing what they're doing. I mean, I know everybody wants them in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and everybody expects them to do a show in Chicago this week and be in Los Angeles next week, but you need to calm down. You know, and I, I really think they've done a great job of spreading some of their love, but they gotta, they got to stay true to where they know they're going to draw here. Sold out in under an hour. Absolutely, and that, that in itself is remarkable. But you're, you're looking at... The Midwest still remains. It is a hot spot for pro wrestling. So you're going to go to one of those meccas where you can draw people in. It's an easy drive for so many people. A huge market, so much going on, so many interactions. As you said, I mean, perfectly for their target audience, that demographic. Now you've got them involved in something else. They're, they're already you know, heading there for the weekend for that. Holy shit, we can take in an AEW show as well. I mean, in itself, that is your your market placement genius or yeah. outside of where WWE thinks that they are a destination. Uh-uh. AEW realizes that they need to work coincide with destinations and they need to be the cherry on top of the Sunday. Yep. Exactly. Uh, so let's talk some new Japan pro wrestling Huckleberry. And we are officially on the road to the Tokyo dome. In fact, we are now two thirds of the way there. Uh, Thursday night kicked off the final of three shows for 2019. Kind of run through the undercard here. Rocky Romero, Taguchi, Honma, and Makabe defeat Uamura, Suji, Tiger Mask, and Jushin Liger. Uh, it, this being the final three shows for Jushin Liger inside of Corican Hall, uh, this has been a whole lot of fun. I mean, even Tiger Mask was just a freaking sobbing mess last night. It was it was great. Bad Luck Fale, Tangaloa, and Tama Tonga defeat Hanare and Finn Juice. Of course, they're building up G.O.D. versus Finn Juice inside the Dome. Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi defeat Evil and Sonata. And this one kind of surprised me a little bit because this was the first time this year that Zack Sabre Jr. has actually gotten one up on Sonata. Sonata had actually got him three times throughout this year. Uh, Rick, I'm kind of looking forward to this matchup inside the Dome. When I first saw this one announced, I was like, eh, kind of hesitant in the whole Sonata going after the Rev Pro title. But they're doing a real nice job of building this one. I do love the build towards that. You got the intrigue there. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm still looking at here. You know what what's going on with Even Sonata? I mean, it's just something they they want to try a little different. You know, they're not going into the the dome. You get the roads of Tokyo. I think it should be dome ahead. <laughs> but but you know, is it just they're putting them on a back burner? And we're going to just kick things back up once we get going here, or is there something more to that? So I, it, 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 always within New Japan, you, you need to be looking deeper. You got to keep your head on a swivel. Yeah, for sure. Sho, Yo, Ishii, and Goto defeat ELP, Ishimori, Yujiro, and Kenta, building up a couple of different matches for the Dome here with uh, Rapungi 3K versus ELP and Ishimori, and then Kenta versus Goto. Uh, Tanahashi and Abushi defeat Shingo and Naito. Anytime you get Abushi and Naito in the same place at the same time, there's going to be fireworks. This one was absolutely no exception. And Tanahashi just being Tanahashi, man. Um, I don't know. Tanahashi moving slow. Like, just 
it's crazy over the course of like the last 18 months or so watching how much Tanahashi has slowed down. Chase White or er, Chase White, Jay White and Chase Owens defeat Yoshihashi and Okada. Of course, this here building up the double dash. And then we got to the main event, Rick. And this is really what we have to talk about. Robbie Eagles and Will Ospreay defeat Bushi and Hiromu Takahashi in his return match in the damn internet wrestling community freaking lost their minds. Hiromu had been out for 550 days or something like that, going back to July 7th of last year, uh, break, Dragon Lee breaking his neck and Hiromu coming on the whole way back. And the, I mean, that place was so solid behind Hiromu. And we got to see Dickhead Osprey. First time I remember seeing Dickhead Osprey in a New Japan ring, but he is absolutely being a complete and utter douchebag right now to Hiromu Takahashi. Rick, I love this. I love I love everything they're doing here, but man, were people pissed off. Absolutely. It's a brilliant piece of booking right here. Uh, you know, the piece that you shared with me last week in that interview with Hiromu, I mean, so much in tears reading that feeling the journey and everything that this means to get back to this moment and then slam the door. But man, was it nice to see Hiromu Takahashi back in the ring. Uh, Hiromu and Will Ospreay start this match off. And for about two minutes, it from the second the bell rings, it is hold on to your goddamn pants. Like I, you forget how fast Hiromu is when you haven't seen him wrestle in a year and a half. It, it was ridiculous watching Osprey and Hiromu. I can't wait until January fourth. I can't wait to see this singles match. If that was any taste of what they have planned, I mean, for Hiromu just coming back that first minute and a half, two minutes, it was shit your pants kind of stuff. Absolutely, man, just incredible, incredible. Robbie Eagles gets the win over Hiromu. Hiromu is just devastated. And now the narrative is Hiromu's not ready. Osprey's got the belt and Hiromu's not ready. It's awesome. You know, it, I mean, as you're going in here, you're building this intrigue. I mean, it's a great piece of storytelling. You know, it's, it's the biggest stage, you know, one of the biggest, it's the biggest moment in his career. This comeback right here, this moment, he's got a lot of growing, a lot of preparation to do, and not a lot of time to get it done. In. So let's talk about Friday's show. Hanare finally gets a big win this year over Suji, the young lion. Yeah, that was considered a big win for Hanare. Ishimori, ELP, and Fale defeat Uemura, Honma, and Makabe. Shoyo and Liger defeat the team of Rocky Romero, Taguchi, and Tiger Mask. And then afterwards, we would see ELP come out and attack all of Rapungi 3K, taking out Rocky Romero, Sho, and Yo. Um, I guess we would be remiss if we didn't mention the bodybuilding contest. Rick, have you been following the bodybuilding contest going on in New Japan Pro Wrestling? Oh, I, I thought you were – when you had this on here, I got, I got prepared to talk about the contest between Ravishing Rick Rude and the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, fantastic. Man, I tell you what, I, I, I think a show would absolutely give both of those guys a run for their money. That dude is freaking shredded right now. It's absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. Abs of steel, baby. ELP and Ishimori come out, take out all of Rapungi 3K, building up for that dome match. Sonata and Shingo defeat Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi. Finn Juice, Ishii, and Goto defeat G.O.D., Yujiro, and Kenta. Ibushi and Tanahashi over Owens and White. And then in your main event, 
Chaos versus Los Ingobernables de Japón. Osprey, Eagles, Yoshihashi, and Okada defeat the team of Bushi, Hiromu, Evil, and Naito. This time, Bushi eating the pin. Hiromu was being held back on the outside and just could not make it to Osprey to break up the pin over Bushi. And Osprey goes right back into dickhead Osprey mode. Huckleberry, the, the final show of 2019 is tonight. And Carly and I were discussing this earlier today. Do you give Hiromu the win tonight? Or do you wait until the Tokyo Dome? I think you do it tonight. As, as you mean as a means to not just make it so obvious that he gets he gets one done. He gets something in there. He's got to have so, a little bit of confidence going into the dome, right? Or do you get him right there to that right to the edge of the cliff, right to the edge where he, he's going to have it? This is that moment, you know, as reserved as they are. I mean, it's going to bring it's going to blow the roof off of that place when he gets it. You take it right there and then pull it back and really save it for the dome. Man, I don't know. I feel like they got to do it tonight. Man, I, I see. I'd almost, I'd almost get another one, man. Just push it, push it, push it, push it, and then pull that motherfucker back, right back, pull it right back. Just, just tease him a little bit. Just right there. The tips, the, the tips on the lips. No, no. Let's cuddle <laughs> a little longer. Said no guy ever. Uh, let's talk about uh, the longest Monday Night Raw in history. I'll meet you in private chat room. XXX. <laughs> let's talk about uh, the longest episode of Monday Night Raw ever uh, this week in Des Moines, Iowa. And I say that because, and people were like, wow, this crowd is dead. Well, you know what? You would be dead too. They filmed two episodes of Monday Night Raw, two episodes of Main Event, all inside of this one show. Man, that had to be brutal. Just brutal. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to happen because I, I've heard reports from people that were actually at the show. This week's episode of Raw, I'm very interested how they light it because people were getting up and walking out about halfway through the show. This this thing, right when I saw this announcement that they were back to backing this thing, immediately it was just those, those poor SOBs, those poor, poor people. What, who's and I get why they're doing this. They, they can't move any tickets. There had to be something they could have done that to ask these poor individuals, you know, a fan base that you're supposed to care about. To, I mean, how long were they actually here? Seven and a half, eight hours? Well, what they did, they didn't run like for next week. <clears throat> of course, they didn't see any of the pre tapes. They just ran everything match, 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 match. Like they, they weren't even pausing for like commercial breaks. I mean, just match, 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 match. So the the show itself started at like 5.30 and it ended at 11. So like Man, five and just, a half hours. Okay, that in itself, it, it just seems. And, and it's five and a half hours of content they expect you to be for because it has some importance. Right. It, that's the issue here. The, those, those poor, poor people out there. I mean, th this thing, just looking at the episode this past week, sitting through this thing. I think I had a better time watching the impeachment stuff yesterday. It just seemed to go on and on and on. And, and WWE, that's a serious problem. That's a serious problem for Monday Night Raw, what you got going on here. Uh, it, it, just, I, it was like they're just running in, in, running in place. Yeah. They're in quicksand. I didn't feel like they were moving or accomplishing anything. You know, at the top of the show, we talked off. As I sit there and I, and I break down and I'm trying to understand and, and talking points – Looking at everything that's going on with Seth Rollins and the AOP, 
it should be a hot program. I should be all over this thing. I should be super invested in it. But then as I peel, you know, start peeling back the layers on this thing, it's okay. Like they've drugged some things on a little too much or there's so much Seth Rollins for the consumer to handle at this point. It just wears thin on you. Yeah. There was a lot of Seth Rollins on this show. That's for sure. Uh, it, there's definitely Seth fatigue. He he may have turned heel, but he is still the face of Monday Night Raw. Uh, Seth Rollins starts off the show with the AOP. Referenced it all there. Um, afterwards, Gallows and Anderson defeat the Viking Raiders because you know there's nothing like you know your tag team champions taking losses on television. Uh, and this was a quality match, though. I mean, this yeah. this is what you probably should have seen at TLC. Yeah. Except you had to work in the, the Sanders spot. Gallows and Anderson, now the only team to beat the Viking Raiders, and they've done it twice. So clearly this is all going to build to an eventual club versus Viking Raiders tag team championship match. And, of course, we will have seen it like four or five times by then, and nobody will care. And that's the problem with WWE booking. Liv Morgan seemingly has joined the Emolution. Uh, Ricky, remember when they when they tried to turn Emma into Emelina? It seems like that's very much what's going on with Liv Morgan here. I just, yeah, I'm not really picking up that vibe as much as everybody else. You don't think so? No, I mean, what is it? Just because she's talking about she must destroy herself? Well, no, I think it's just that she's going into like you know the whole like they're going to try to turn Liv Morgan into a 2019 version of Sable. <sighs> you know, I, it's, to me, it's you know that she should act a certain way. She's just this bubbly little personality. And I think maybe there's one us to throw us off. You know, I, to me, maybe like the bath is, is representing a cleansing instead of, you know, the, the setting that they're putting her in, which is, you know, very romantic and enticing. It's supposed to rile up the emotions. She's a beautiful young woman. Did she, you know, really charge there, you know, get that t- testosterone flowing. Could go a different way here. There's a lot of people out there like you that are, uh, well, let's look at, deeper let's let's figure out what it all means it means that they found a way for Liv morgan to take off her clothes on a tv pg show on usa network that's what they're trying to figure out how to do they figured out how to do it and we'll see where it goes from here but it sure to me it just seems like uh, uh, they're they're just trying to find a way to squeeze as much sex appeal as they can in a 2019 context onto this show and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Just fucking own it. I don't know if she's the right option for this, though. And that's no. why I want to look somewhere else for this thing. They tried and to do you, it with Alexa Bliss, and she wasn't the right option either. Yeah, because they don't fit that mold, you know? I mean, they are, yes, they are very beautiful. And there's a great attraction from a large part of your fan base for that. But when you're going over the top of that, it's just that out there in your face sex appeal, they, they don't portray it. And you have to have somebody playing that role who has that attitude, who has that personality. Alexa Bliss does not have that personality at all. And isn't named Lana. I mean, someone who can actually carry oh, a character. God. Yes. Oh, God. Damn. And not in, a, not in a brilliantly awful, bad reality television way. God, that's the next thing that we have to talk about, isn't it? Lana, <laughs> ah, yeah. Lana tells Lashley to propose to her. She, she just proposed the idea of the proposal. Yeah, and then he did it exactly the way they rehearsed. Well, it's practice, right? They're at, they're at the performance center. They've been going over this thing to make sure that it went off without a hitch. Worked out fine. 
still waiting for Rusev and the Smoke Show, Scarlett Bordeaux, show up. Best, hey, I, best way to get hey, over I, Lana. I sent, you, under the I, smoke sent you, show. I sent you that message. They have laid the groundwork perfectly for this angle that you have laid out there. The best way to get over Lana is a little smoke in your eyes, right? The Smoke Show. Last week, Rusev, who's he taking on? No way, Jose. You got the party train. Hey, maybe afterwards, good match, man. Why don't you come out and join us for a couple? We're going to hit the night. We're going to hit the town, the nightlife. We're going to get it going. Out there, you know, you got the line. You're out on the dance floor. You're in the club. You got some glow sticks going on. Maybe you're in a foam party. Who's there? Who's there? The smoke show's there. I, I think clearly that this uh, this is just going to lead to um, the smoke show, Scarlett Bordeaux and Lana, both dumping their respective Rusev and Bobby Lashley, who uh, end up in a bar one night and become drinking buddies and form a tag team. I think that's clearly what's going to happen. And then somehow, some way, we end up with Scarlett Bordeaux and uh, Lana with Killer Cross in a very RVD car ramrod kind of situation uh you know what sorry killer cross i love you i love the town you're a great friend of the honey media group platform uh, i'm gonna go with smoke show and lana end up in the bathtub with Liv. hey why not right at this point monday, monday night bubbles at, at, at this point i think we as an audience deserve that for watching this entire angle dirty word dirty word we have earned that that's true. That's true. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, then we have the gauntlet match from hell. How do you fill a five and a half hour TV show? I know. Let, 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 let's do an hour long gauntlet match. And then let's not have a winner because Andrade just destroys Humberto and then leaves. Seth Rollins comes out and declares to everybody that he's going to face Rey Mysterio. <laughs> the guy that I, I wasn't in the match actually won the match. He won. He won the the opportunity. Yeah, he won uh, the Ray, opportunity. There you go. Ray Ray addressed this though. You know, it, believe me. I, at the moment, I wasn't exactly thrilled that I sat through this thing, and I'm kind of scratching my head, like, okay, that well, was it. The fuck was the point of that? Well, yeah, it, you it, see, we're asking these people to sit here for five and a half hours. So uh, another <laughs> hey, the giving season. Some more love here. We've got a brand new show coming to the Hobby Media Group platform. It's all about South Park. This reminded me of the South Park where they go to the amusement park and they wait in line for like five hours and they realize by the time they get to the front of the line, that was the ride. It was the standing in line simulator. So that was the, I mean, that's what I really felt like when we got to this thing. But to make sense of it, that's what we do here. We make sense. We, we come up with solutions. We talk things through. Uh, I could see where they were going at with this thing. You know, you're continuing the story here with uh, Humberto, who is this this very sympathetic, charismatic, you know, someone that should be succeeding. He, he's just he's getting so close, getting so close to that ring. And yet it just keeps kind of just, you know, I got a dollar for you. It just keeps getting pulled away from him, yanked away from him. He just can't grab that. Nothing's just right when he gets there to that greatness. It is taken from him. And that's this is a perfect scenario for this thing. You get a lot of heat. On uh, on all this Andrade, you're continuing, which I absolutely hate that they're going this direction. But we're continuing on with this this possible divide with him and Vega. 
And then here to, to pick up all, all of the scraps, the vultures come in, the guy that we should be despising that we hate right now in Seth Rollins. That's the direction they're going with this thing here. And if, if you're going to do that, then I didn't need an hour and a half of a match. Right? Suckers! Right. <laughs> and just, you know, we were talking, oh, it was, uh, you, you jumped in on the thread. We had a little fun today, a little fun Friday topic over our Facebook and Hami Media Discussion Group. Four words strung together that would absolutely ruin the holidays. And, you know, I, I put out there, raw is five hours. <laughs> So yeah. you know what you know what WWE would do in that case they would introduce a new championship the Iron Man championship to be defended every week in an hour long gauntlet match. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. It, it, that's what I kind of felt like this was, you know, and it, it was just like The only good right. thing about that thing was our truth. That was the only good thing about it. Clearly we need our truth versus John Cena. I mean, that's, that seems like, I mean, they've been planting the seeds for that forever, right? Like clearly that match should happen at, at WrestleMania. When he brings, he starts bringing that up about, you know, he goes back to that act last year when he was the hottest thing in the company and we're talking, you know, people were laughing about it, but it was absolutely true that our truth that actually had made the United States championship relevant. You know, he had elevated that day. He brought it back into the limelight and the, the potential for him and Cena there. And I was like, did they realize they just messed that up? They're going back to it here. Well, and now, it, I mean, it just seems clear to me that Rey Mysterio is a transitional champion. Seth Rollins is going to win the United States championship. So that way, Seth Rollins is still the champion on Raw because, let's face it, Brock Lesnar's not going to be around a whole lot on the build to WrestleMania, but at least there's still a championship that people are chasing and the top guys got it. And we've heard that there's a new United States championship that's going to be being debuted in the immediate future, and it will be debuted when Seth Rollins wins it. Well, I think it was just, you know, the same plan, same direction. Involving Rey Mysterio, but we're just changing the other cast around it because that's what they were talking about, you know, with him potentially going over Brock Lesnar. It was going to be a short transition, get the belt back on Brock at the Rumble, use that as fuel for which, whatever program Brock was going to be entering in the road to WrestleMania. But now you're absolutely right. Brock's on hiatus. We're not hearing many dates early in the year from him. Uh, so they're going to need that champion. So you go with your top heel, right? You have everybody chasing the dirty, the, Seth Rollins. Well, the unsung leader. The true leader, you know, that's it's tough love. He's there to motivate, leads by example, it's Seth Rollins. Yep. Uh, Asuka taps out Deanna Perrazzo. Rick, you said that you like this. Um, I, I, here was my issue with it. My issue was the fact that they had NXT graphics for Deanna Perrazzo. Like, if you were just going to bring Deanna Perrazzo up to have Asuka squash her, I'm cool with that. But don't represent the NXT brand because now what we're doing is instead of the wild card rule between Raw and SmackDown, what NXT people can just show up on either show? Like you're 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 trying to feed me like this one narrative, but now we have a crossing of another narrative, and I just I want to keep NXT as far away from Raw and SmackDown as humanly possible. Let them exist in their own universes. I just didn't like the blurring of the universes between them. I, I absolutely, I will give you that 100%, Jargo. That uh, completely breaks down their narrative of, you know, this, this, these brands representing themselves, especially when we just seen NXT with this huge upset victory at Survivor Series. And now you're downplaying, at least it's not someone that's in their upper echelon. 
that we're looking at NXT as okay, this, these are the leaders. But you know, for, it, it for, is, for it a is casual a fan who doesn't know that and just knows that NXT exists, they would assume that if there's an NXT women's talent appearing on Monday Night Raw, that it would be one of the best wrestlers in NXT. And Asuka goes out there, who's been presented as a tag team wrestler, even though an upper echelon tag team wrestler, and she squashes her in four minutes. So why should I bother watching NXT? Well, I think in their eyes, they're hoping that you're already watching because you've seen, even if you're not there weekly, you did see Survivor Series. You know that she she is not there. And I think they more so were talking about her involvement inside the Mae Young instead of NXT. They're saying, you know, she is this breakout. She is a she is a mid a mid Carter. And I think that works to a sense of, OK, she is she is somebody on one of our brands that's ready. She's looking to break through. She's looking for opportunity anywhere. She is a tremendous talent. We're going to showcase that. But she's not quite ready against some of the very best. It's not like they ran her out there. And as I'm sitting here watching SmackDown Live, it's not like they ran her out there and she lost to Dana Brooke. She won, she lost to one of the absolute best there is in Asuka. So it's not a total embarrassment for them. And it, I like that it's getting them some exposure. That it is letting them say, okay, these are some of the best. you, you got to be on the lookout for them. You could catch her on NXT. She isn't up there. She's not Ripley. She's not challenging for that. But she is rising, so keep your eye out for her. Um, I did like the Becky promo afterwards uh, where she finally acknowledges that she can't beat Asuka. And and so much so that the company is actually protecting her from Asuka. The, The thing I don't like here is when this whole Becky Lynch, the man thing started, it was in spite of the company. The fans just refused to go along with it because we knew that Becky Lynch should not be a heel. And that was the beginning of this whole rise of the man, even though they try to tell you that it started at the Royal Rumble. Right? Yeah. So now Becky is acknowledging that the company is protecting her. Like, why would the company that you're rebelling against be protecting you? Well, I, I kind of liked it there uh, because it, it plays it is exactly what you have said. The WWE themselves, they want you to believe, you know, it was at the Rumble when all this magic happened. But Becky's kind of alluding to, no, it, it was. It was the people. It started way before this. And then around that Rumble time is when they realized they had something. And when I, as I was listening to it in real time, it kind of got to me as she's talking about the merch and all that. But I think you really needed to bring that up to hammer home the point that this company – that, that we have come to resent or the universe so many have come to resent by trying to manufacture and control everything. Now Becky herself realizes that she fell victim to that. She let that happen. And now the ultimate rebel, she is there to rectify that. She is going to take the course of her career, that direction. She is going to take that in her hands once again. And she is going to do this for those that supported her, that pushed her to her rise. She is not going to become just another fall in line part of this corporate structure. I think this this could work out for them. It does worry me, though, knowing you know deep down inside is they are handling this themselves. I don't know if I trust them to pull this off right. But early on, I think this message is really going to, to ring home to so many of these fans. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes from here. Um, I mean, it's not as complex as a bubble bath, but I think, you know, there, there's something bigger going on here. 
Randy Orton defeats AJ Styles in about 17 minutes, but the big news here was they only had about 15 minutes of airtime left, and USA Network gave them a two-minute overrun, and all of a sudden, the IWC is like, oh boy, the overrun is back, because three hours of Monday Night Raw isn't enough for you people. Uh, No, that's not the case. This happened because they were running this show live to tape and they were having a hard time timing this show out and USA Network was nice enough to give them two more fucking minutes. I'll tell you what's great. I know you didn't watch this in real time, Jargo, but they actually, where that cut was supposed to be, USA cut away and said, now a sneak peek at and it got cut off and it went right back to the match. Oh, that's hilarious. Yes, because I'm sitting there because I didn't even look. I wasn't looking at the clock. I'm just watching the match. You know, figure right. it got a hard out, right? Right. And it, it cuts away and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, did they miss time that bad? And I didn't realize if you did had to do with this tape, this different taping schedule. Because right. at the time I didn't realize, you know, this was it, that that marathon live event. God, they made that so much harder than they needed to. Because what they did is like they started the show at 530 local time. Raw starts at seven local time. Right. So they were already like basically two thirds of the way done recording the episode of Raw that was starting to air. So they were like basically playing back while they were still recording. I mean, like they just, they overcomplicated this so egregiously. I, I, it's just baffling to me, just fucking baffling to me why they would take that approach. I don't get it. Uh, then we get the setup with the OC and the Viking Raiders. Uh, here's a spoiler. It's going to be, Randy Orton and the OC or Randy Orton and the Viking Raiders versus the OC next week on Raw. Set up a big six man tag match. Woohoo! Looking forward which to will, that. Yeah, I was going to say, which again, as you were talking about, this will be this get ready for the OC and the Viking Raiders from some kind of match here. What, what do we got? A month till the Rumble, four or five weeks. So get ready for yeah. four or five. Combination somehow. Here we go again. The road to WrestleMania. That should be the theme. Here we go again. So So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit us over at the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com. Be sure that you visit our sponsors, such as thegorillaposition.com, where they tell the stories, pro wrestling storytellers. Be sure that you hit up lastwordonprowrestling.com for all the latest news from throughout the world of professional wrestling, as well as ndpw.com. Yeah, I like to use both of them so I can cross-reference. And I actually do that far more frequently than you would think. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo, RBV. How do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? Well, Jargo, uh, you're up there showing some love to our, our great partner platforms there. Uh, obviously, also the Hami Media Group. Uh, but hey, want to mention, you know, we right here on the, the Hitting March Podcast Network, we've got an entire week of awesome programming. Some just a great cast of characters that, that put so much into this thing throughout the entire year. Uh, some major shout outs you know, Robin Nelson with Wrestling Podcast he just dropped a great interview uh, hanging it, hanging up the boots uh, former WWE superstar Adam Roses who had a tremendous sit down Robin is I've dubbed him the king of the indie interview each and every week bringing you some just tremendous insight they go beyond just you know what you know some some of these great indie towns you know we dive in personally you know what, what are their interests their favorite foods their hobbies Robin's all over that thing obviously the boys from up north 
Big Joe and Carl Turnbuckle talk. Hit it hard every week. Big Joe going double duty with with the money man, Magic Mike, hashtag HTM Tech. And of course, you know, you got the main eventers here. We go we go from curtain jerkers on the Hami Media Group platform. We're main event here. This is our ECW. Uh, we, you know, we got hashtag HTM Sports. We, we've got this, the Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast. We've got all sorts of fun things going on. We've got our whole pick of the challenge that's underway here. Still time to get in there. So you're going to head on to Facebook to uh, the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast or the, the Hitting Marks Podcast Network page. You can find the link there to check that out. We're wrapping up our NFL thing. we got so much going on here. Looking forward to 2020. You can follow me personally, Rick Baker, across all social media platforms at The Real RBV. Jargo, I gotta, I gotta say, the feeling right now is getting ready to wrap up here. Our second to last show of the year. I, I gotta say, this might have been damn near the perfect show. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, I'll actually be doing a guest spot on HTM Tech this week as well. Um, going on there to just discuss technology and sports. Yeah, should be an interesting little talk. Huckleberry, think- where, where are you at with technology and sports? Do you like like the more replay? You want less replay? Do you want you want robots calling balls and strikes? Uh, you know what? To me, I, I love the human element, and I think you know we're really we're complicating the games themselves on the field. Uh, but I am very intrigued with this topic, and and I know that's you know the the obvious angle where you guys want to go. I hope that you spend a little time going behind the scenes and how we're using technology to improve our, our athletes and our preparation for games and. And I know you're, you're going to have some great examples from Coach Faye out there, who is a tremendous innovator in incorporating technology and new methods to not just motivate, but prepare his athletes and his coaching staff and help evolve the game in that manner. You know, with all these things just for medical reasons, you know, what we're looking at concussions and, and the safety, uh, so much cutting edge stuff that, that technology and, and going forward that is providing for professional sports, sports on all levels, even down to the, you know, the lollipops. Uh, some great stuff there. Guest spot, man. I mean, that seems like it, it could just turn into itself like a special 12 part series or something. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to that. And of course, Monday in the locker room, hackerhameen.podbean.com, Hameen Media. It's going to be a Wrestle Festivus for the rest of us. Looking forward to that. We will talk to you Monday for now. We're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. Don't give up. You bad guy.